Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, Herbie Hancock and the Harlem Knights theme with Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Red Fox, Stella Reese, Danny Aiello, Jasmine Guy, and Arsenio Hall from 1989 with a little smooth jazz to get you through the evening. And welcome to Wrestling Revisited for Tuesday night, June 20, July 21st, June, July 21st, 2020. There's a blooper. Welcome to episode 226, ladies and gentlemen, of Wrestling Revisited, as I am your host, the Iceman, Jared D. Jaw, and we are going to take you into the dinner hour with some smooth sounds tonight, ladies and gentlemen. one 605 pounds You can join us right now. And with me, as always, ladies and gentlemen, the human suplex machine, John Gross, and of course, we are expecting more people joining us, including the Heartbreak Kid, Fonzie, the JML Experience, the Big IQ, Jeff Tears, the Rush, Ronda Rush Wright, King of the Rio, Gerard T. Smith, however, Mr. W. Saving himself, Chad Hinshaw, the Empress, Anne Marie, Rickenbach, and company, however, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, we will be uh, hearing from them, of course, here in just a little bit. 
But as always, how we are also expecting the King of Clubs, Mint Patel, and of course the soulmate, Justin Lewis Fleming, as well as our good friend, the Loose Cannon, Shaq New York. But as we said, John, uh, we say to you, as always, good evening for Wrestling Revisited. Good evening. We've got some great moments picked out tonight, folks, Howard, so get ready to strap in the time machine. We're going to take you back to 1983 with a couple of our favorite moments of that year. And 1983 was an interesting year in a lot of ways, just not only in the wrestling world, but also in the world itself, however. Ronald Reagan was the president. North Carolina State and Jimmy Valvano had pulled off the miracle in the NCAA Men's Final Four. The Washington... Redskins, if you will, won the Super Bowl, and yes, the Baltimore Orioles won the World Series. Plus, in the golf world, you had guys like Arnold Palmer still playing, Howard Jack Nichols, but also guys like Tom Watson, Tom Kite, Seve Ballesteros, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Ben Crenshaw, if you will, however, Hale Irwin, and so much more. But in the wrestling world, Howard, it depends on where you were at. In Minnesota, however, it was a battle between Hulk Hogan and Nick Bockwinkel battling it out for the AWA World Championship before Hulk Hogan would skip off by the end of the year and head back to the WWE and Vince McMahon, who had taken over the business for his father, who had been under very poor health around that time, and tragically would lose Vince Sr. the following year, tragically at the age of 68, due to cancer. Down south, how it depends on where you were at, however. In Florida, you had the Grams, however, and also... I'm just doing music not- while you're... Uh- no While problem. you're uh, going on 1983. Yes. Championship wrestling, however, from Florida, of course, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Eddie you Graham is something like Graham. While I'm playing Dusty it. Rhodes. No problem. We're talking While about we're doing Of course, we also had some interesting things happen, if you will, in Georgia. Georgia Championship Wrestling was just about being bought out, however, at the time, however, from Jim Barnett. But in Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, however, if you will, Ric Flair and Harley Race, however, had the battle of the year, however, in in an interesting way, however. While in Texas, however, the Vaughn Erickson World Class Championship Wrestling, WCCW, however, was the place to be as well. Folks, we also had some great hits of the 83 era, including the police. Prince, however, was another one, however. Men at Work, among others. So, yes, folks, it was interesting. Also, in the movie world, however, 1983... And also, the music... Also, these guys... Don't forget these guys, too. Yes. Don't forget these people, too. Please. Def Leppard. Yes. Def Leppard was rocking it out in 83. Yes, Easy Top was. Eldon John. Van Halen was rocking. And some of the TV shows of the 1983, however, era came out with so many good ones, including Knight Rider, The A-Team, our Miami Vice, if you will, Cheers, The Dukes of Hazard, our Three's Company, One Day at a Time, uh, Dallas, if you will. MASH, of course, wrapped up the season in the spring of 1983 by the most episode in television history, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. Happy days to the Iron End. A big movie came out in 1983 as well. One of yes. Dirty Harry's famous movies. Sudden Impact. Yes, Sudden Impact. And you listen to this. And here's the clip now, folks. Let's play you sound bites of it. All right. Oh, 
indeed. And of course, while John's playing that, we also want to tell you Laverne and Shirley, Taxi, and also, however, Heart to Heart was near an end, however. While Different Strokes was still going on, Dynasty, the Jeffersons were closing in near their run, if you will, however. The Greatest American Hero was only for a short time in the first season of Family Ties. Uh-oh, J.D., here it comes. Here it comes. Yes, Sudden Impact with Clint Eastwood. Also, some of the other movies that came out the year included National Lampoon's Vacation with Chevy Chase, A Christmas Story, War Games, Christine with Stephen King, Risky Business with Tom Cruise, Flashdance with Jennifer Beals, The Big Chill, ladies and gentlemen, Valley Girl, Twilight Zone, the movie, ladies and gentlemen, Cujo, Stephen King's thriller, Octopus with James Bond, Staying Alive, however, if you will, it's turned out to be the theme, however, from Frank Stallone, however, for Starcade that year, which we'll talk about here in our moment tonight. John and also, of course, the 25-year anniversary of Motown. Yes, indeed. It was. And, of course, Sun Impact, as you mentioned, too, John. Of course, some big hits that year also included Easy Money, All the Right Moves with, of course, uh, Tom Cruise, Stroke Race with Burt Reynolds, ladies and gentlemen. But the movie of the year turned out to be Terms of Endearment with Shirley MacLaine, Jack Nicholson, Deborah Winger, and Jeff Daniels that won a lot of Oscars, ladies and gentlemen, however, and a lot of talks, however, that year. But tonight, how we're going to talk about our two favorite moments of wrestling that occurred, one in November of that year and one in February of that year. So right now, with that said, let us get to our moment of the evening, ladies and gentlemen. John, we will begin our first moment, of course, in the old St. Louis Checker Dome Arena, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, that Sam Mushnick used to own and was a good normally friend of Jim Crockett, if you will. Normally when we start, before we start off, we got to talk about Raw. Oh, yes, we're going to get into that here. You're right. You're 100% right about that. Good call, John. Yes, uh, a lot of things talking about last night's Monday Night Raw. Uh, before we get into that, yeah, we usually do that, and we haven't done that for the last little while. Thank you for bringing that up, John. Good point indeed. Uh, let's get your thoughts, however, about last night's uh, show. I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen next week with the two Extreme Rules matches, McIntyre and Ziggler. And Oscar yes. and Sasha. Yes. I think Oscar and I think uh, Stephanie McMahon made. Thank God she made the right call. Yes, involving Oscar and Sa- Sasha with the women's title thing. You're right. And as far as Randy Orton and the Big Show's unsanctioned match goes. Yes. Uh, who who's next in Orton's path of destruction? That's- that's a good point. That's a very, very, very valid point. And a very I good think point we see the old, the old school of the legend killer back in action. We did last night, no doubt about it. Of course, uh, you're very if right. I, and if I was McIntyre, Drew McIntyre uh, or Dolph Ziggler, I'd be yes. taking notes right now. I would, too. I would be very careful. You're right. And there's been a lot of people saying that I did McIntyre. Read, uh, however, I did... I also did read some some reports that they may have a new nation of domination with you know, MVP. Well, well, let me talk about that, and then talk about that the whole thing with McIntyre and uh, Orton for a minute. As far as McIntyre and Orton, I've heard the same thing. 
I think there's been some talk that they could have a match coming up at Summer Scam or Summer Slam, whatever you want to call it, however. That is a very good possibility. We could see that happen as early as next week. And as far as Oscar goes, I'd be very careful because right now, whoever wins the match between her and Sasha next week has to watch out for the Submission Magician, the Queen of Spades, uh, Shayna Baszler. I think that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. You bring up a good point with the nation, how, of course, Ron Simmons was there last night confronting MVP Bobby Lashley at the Hurt Business and their new uh, 24-7 champion after beating R-Truth in a very fluky way last night, Shelton Benjamin. But uh, talking about Randy Orton for just a minute, giving back to him for just a minute, there was reports, of course, last night, Ric Flair was not at the uh, show due to the fact that his wife apparently tested positive for COVID-19. Flair, however, said he's okay, and he told everyone in the New York Post article he's okay. Of course, he did not wear a mask, we understand, at a Starbucks in Georgia recently, and said he is living down in the basement for the time being while his wife is recovering. But overall, a lot of people are thinking that Ric Flair is delaying the inevitable. John, I know you're going to touch upon this maybe tomorrow night in the uh, Wednesday night report, however, as far as AEW and NXT, and I'm sure you touched upon a little bit last night in the post-show with the uh, Raw recap. But what do you think, Howard? Is this a true story that Ric Flair is telling us, or do you think this is all about a phony fib? Uh, I don't know about the thing, boy. He, he's had some health issues. I will, I will say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, no three years ago he had that episode, but no question. Uh, I I just hope he gets better. Well, we'll see what happens, and we wish his wife nothing but the best as well. Also, ladies, and gentlemen, we understand. I hope he you understand that Yes. Well, let's hope not. Uh, John Moxley, we understand. Speaking of AEW, has said he has got a surprise for everyone tomorrow night on Dynamite, and we understand that tonight, however, we could see the debut of Tino Sabatelli, ladies and gentlemen, on AEW Dark. The Tino Sabatelli, of course, as you know, okay, recently worked with WWE. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, Howard, back in the day, and now could be signed with AEW, but we'll talk more about that at 9 o'clock on Revolution, 138055-pound. John will be doing the birthdays and dates in GTS, and I will have your news headlines. We Also today, we would like to wish a happy birthday, of course, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, we'll tell you about some big names coming up there. Tomorrow, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be celebrating the birthday of former New York Jets and USC Trojan Keyshawn Johnson. Thursday, of course, we'll be celebrating the birthday of former L.A. Dodger pitcher John Drysdale. And on Friday, folks, we'll be celebrating the birthday of the mailman Carl Malone in Barry U.S. Bonds, however, formerly of the Pittsburgh Pirates and the San Francisco Giants, the all-time home run leader. But, as we said, we got two great moments coming up. We're going to start off in February of 1983. That was very interesting. Held in St. Louis. We mentioned it earlier. St. Louis was always one of the big towns, however, back in the 80s, of course, for a lot of places, however, including the NWA, which was run by Sam Washington. And on this night, Sam ran this show, of course, at the legendary Checker Dome Arena, and this was a very interesting show. This was about literally nine months before the first ever Starcade. We had seen the first stadium show ever at Texas Stadium the previous summer in Dallas, thanks to Fritz von Eric and, of course, world-class championship wrestling. But on this night, Howard, they were in February of 83. Here is the event as we speak, Howard, ladies and gentlemen. This was the Missouri heavyweight title on the line. Two guys that would have very interesting uh, ramifications on this one. The modern-day lawyer, Kerry von Eric, Howard, who throughout the 80s would have some pretty good matches, Howard, as you know, taking on Greg the Hammer Valentine, if you will. Jim Crockett Jr. would hire Valentine a short time later and, of course, set up the feud between him and Roddy Piper that would culminate at Starcade 83, which we'll talk about 
about here later on in our second moment of the evening. But, John, this was our first match of the evening, however, and as a result, however, Kerry surprisingly defeated the Hammer here, however, in our first match in 21 minutes, however. Of course, Valentine later in the year would go on to face Roddy Roddy Piper, but on this night, these two would go at it one-on-one for the Missouri heavyweight title. Your thoughts about this opening matchup here in St. Louis from February of 83? That was a good match. Yes, I would agree. And, of course, we know Fritz von Erich had teamed up with uh, his son, Kerry. Of course, Kerry, five years later, would battle Jerry the King Lowell at uh, AWA Super Clash 3, which was considered by many in 1980 the worst pay-per-view of the year, despite the fact that Lawler and von Erich was a very intense feud for a couple of months going into the Super Clash that year. Of course, throughout the 80s, the von Erichs, of course, and the Fabulous Freebirds would have some bloody good battles throughout the Lone Star State and throughout the Southwest, if you will, in places like Oklahoma, Texas, I believe they also did some other places, if you will, during the same time. But go figure. Anyway, our next match is another unique match, however, ladies and gentlemen, for the Pacific Heavyweight title. Harley Race, of course, another man who would figure out in 1983, ladies and gentlemen, however, for the NWA World title. And, of course, was a seven-time world champion who would fight, of course, one of the bigger names uh, later in 1983, of course, the Nature Boy Ric Flair, would take on Japanese wrestler Shoei Baba. Baba, of course, a very unique... Uh, like I said, however, would uh, end up defeating Harley Race at this point. Of course, Harley Race later on in the year would become a big name, of course, however, with the NWA, however, if you were getting into a big program with Ric Flair. Of course, these two, of course, would have an interesting program. Four months later, of course, after this show, Race would win the title again from Ric Flair, in which Ric Flair was the champion going into this show, of course. But in June, of course, we had seen a questionable decision, and of course we would see a big feud that would culminate throughout the summer and going into the fall that year that would wrap up at Starcade of 83. But on this night, the Pacific Heavyweight title was on the line, Harley Race against Baba. Your thoughts about this one as Harley Race ended up uh, losing to Baba. Baba was always considered a great Japanese wrestler throughout his career in the likes of Antonio Inoki, Tatsumi Fujinami, among others, the great Muda, Jushin Thunder Liger, ladies and gentlemen. But Baba was, of course, the Bruno San Martino of his time, and many people along with Inoki, however, could not say, however, they were in the ring with some of the best uh, competitors like Harley Race, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, among others. But Baba was the big winner on this night, and he proved to be a big winner by defeating Harley Race here in his backyard. Your thoughts about this one? It was all right. Yes, I would agree. I would definitely agree. And then, folks, we go to the big one, however, ladies and gentlemen, the two out of three falls affair, Bruiser Brody and Ric Flair. This was actually one of the better matches, if not the match of the entire night, ladies and gentlemen. And you talk about Bruiser Brody, of course, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about him at one time, who also wrestled however, in different places like Puerto Rico, ladies and gentlemen, and other territories that also one time wrestled in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation back in the mid-70s, if you will, 1976 and 77, I believe. But on this night, however, him and Ric Flair would get it on for the World's Heavyweight title. The first fall, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, how I mind you, however, and as a result, Brody took the first fall here in 16 minutes, however. The next fall, how I mind you, however, like I said, however, surprisingly, however, turned out to give Flair a second fall. The third and final, basically, uh, final fall ended up being a draw, and as a result, however, no one ended up winning. But overall, you talk about Bruiser Brody and Ric Flair, however, going after almost 60 minutes on this night. These fans were going absolutely ape shit here in St. Louis between Brody and Flair. Your thoughts about Flair and Brody going at here? Oh, that was brutal. Yes. And you talk about a guy, however, who at the time, however, had been champion for about two years, however, for the, 
for, uh, I believe for the first time ever, how Ric Flair was definitely showing his uh, definitely uh, very uh, unique uh, chemistry there, Howard, with some of the best. Of course, he would not develop into the 60-minute Iron Man just quite yet, but he was starting to get there, if you will, however, as we saw, Howard. But uh, talking about Bruiser Brody, folks, of course, he had some great battles over the years with guys like Abdul the Butcher, if you will, Carlos Colon, ladies and gentlemen, uh, among others. Uh, sad to say, 1988, we all know what happened that infamous dark night, Howard, in San Juan, Puerto Rico, at the age of 41, when Jose Gonzalez, Howard, if you will, invader number one, if you will, Apparently, we talked to him in the backstage area before the match that night, and let's just say did the unspeakable, unthinkable, most disturbing and disgusting incident I have ever seen at that time. And we all know what happened about that. Of course, if you did not see Dark Side of the Ring, the Bruiser Brody story for Season 1, you definitely want to check it out, and definitely check out the documentary in general. I mean, there's a lot of unique moments there on there, including uh, Bret Hart, of course, in Montreal, the UWF and Herb Abrams, of course, Bret Hart, of course, in Montreal, Owen Hart in Kansas City, uh, Chris Benoit and the incident in general, which uh, opened up this season, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. The brawl for all, ladies and gentlemen. Some pretty good documentaries, but on this night, however, it was a very unique moment, however. Let's just say between Brody and, of course, uh, Ric Flair. But that being said, there you go. Now, we fast forward throughout the summer and into the fall. And, of course, there was a lot of things that continued on throughout the summer. Uh, Bob Backlund was still your world's champion over in New York, however. Ric Flair was still on top in the mid territory, if you will. Hulk Hogan had had his battle with Nick Bockwell and had almost won it, if you will. He won the AWA Championship, or so we thought. But thanks to a questionable decision however, in Minnesota, however, Lord James Blears and Vern Gagne denied him that opportunity, and Hogan, of course, shortly thereafter, would leave uh, the Midwest and return to the Big Apple by the end of the year. But he was still fighting Nick Bockwell, and they continued to go all over the uh, country fighting one another, whether it be places like Chicago, Denver, Phoenix, San Francisco, uh, Chicago, as I said, ladies and gentlemen, some quite interesting battles. But in the summer of 1983, however, Ric Flair and Harley Race in the Mid-Atlantic Territory was one of the feuds to keep an eye on. Harley Race, of course, as we said, had defeated Ric Flair and had stolen Flair's title on a questionable call, however, by the referee at a house show in June of 83. Shortly thereafter, however, Harley Race, of course, began to brag that he was the man now and no longer Ric Flair. And as a result, he sent out a couple of goons with him, however, to take him out, including Dirty Dick Slater, Cowboy Ace Bob Orton, Jack Briscoe, if you will. Guys who uh, at one time Flair had become friends with now was somewhat bitter enemies with, thanks to Race, however. In September of 1983, however, on a special, uh, let's just say, championship wrestling episode from Florida, however, if you will, however, Barbara clearly, of course, was reporting, however, at the time, however, there was talk about a rematch between Race and Flair. And, of course, we all found out earlier that year, however, the Super Bowl was announced prior to that, however, if you will, in Tampa, that they would be hosting the big game, Super Bowl 18, however, later that year between John's boys, the Washington Redskins, and the L.A. Raiders, who had moved from Oakland down to the City of Angels. They went back and forth, however, throughout their career. But that wasn't the story. The story here was race and flair, and they continued to feud one another throughout the early part of the fall. And in the middle of September of 1983, all the promoters were in town throughout the world, whether it be guys like Giant Baba, Vern Gagne, Vince McMahon, and Vince uh, McMahon Jr. and Sr., if you will, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Stu Hart and Stampede Wrestling was there. Fritz Von Erich was there. Don Owen of Pacific Northwest Wrestling. Roy Shire in California. Uh, some of the wrestling in Hawaii. 
all the territories and everywhere throughout the world wanted to see the rematch between Race and Flair. As a result, it became announced, however, believe it or not, prior to that, ladies and gentlemen, that the match was going to happen. And it became official, however, in late September of that year, however, that the match was going to be held in one place. In one place only, ladies and gentlemen. And right now, we're going to take you back to that moment, ladies and gentlemen, that we will tell you before we get to our next moment, ladies and gentlemen. And here is how the match came about, however, for the return engagement between Race and Flair, and found out, as we found out, where the location was, as Barbara clearly reported this on Championship Wrestling, late September of 83. And give us a second here. We're just queuing it up here. So here we go. All right, here we go. Barbara Clary on special assignment reporting from Tampa, Florida. Across the street is the Hyatt Regency Hotel, where at this moment a special meeting of the National Wrestling Alliance Board of Directors is in progress. The primary purpose of this meeting is to select the site for the big return match. Seven times NWA World Heavyweight Champion and current champion Harley Race of Kansas City is to defend his title against the challenge of the former World Heavyweight Champion and current number one contender, Nature Boy Ric Flair of Minneapolis. The NWA Board of Directors has already announced that the match, when it takes place, will contain a no-disqualification clause, and both men will meet inside a ring that will be surrounded by a steel cage. Promoters are here today from all over the world, including a group from here in Florida. Tampa Bay has already been selected as the site of Super Bowl 18, and the promoters here are hopeful of securing the bid, which would focus a tremendous amount of national and worldwide attention on the local scene. However, no announcement has been released up to this moment. Let's go inside to the meeting room and join the Dean of Wrestling Commentators, Gordon Soley. Thank you very much, Barbara. We're here in the boardroom now of the Hyatt Regency Hotel. In the closing moments of uh, this very, very important meeting, promoters from all over the world are here waiting to find out the site selection for the return match of the World Heavyweight Championship. And I see uh, Mr. Bob Geigel, the president of the National Wrestling Alliance, entering the room at this time. And uh, in just a moment or two, he will be making that all-important announcement regarding this return match. Let's turn it over now to Mr. Bob Geigel, president of the NWA. Way to the bylaws of the National Wrestling Alliance and in compliance with recommendations of the Site Selection Committee, we, the Board of Directors, are proud to award to James Crockett and Mid-Atlantic Promotions, Inc., the NWA World Championship rematch between seven-time world champion Harley Race and the number one challenger and former world champion Ric Flair. Special vote of thanks to all the other promoters from all over the world who bid for the match. The unique qualities of Mr. Crockett's bid made his organization the unanimous choice of the board. Congratulations, Jim Crockett. Thank you very much. Uh, a very happy day for me, people in our company. I'm, I'm sort of at a loss for words. I've, I've have a few notes here. Uh, part of our proposal uh, is based upon the, the the importance of this match. Uh, there've been uh, fights of the year, games of the year. Used to the 76ers and the. Uh, Boston team used to be called the matchup of the decade. Uh, when Ali and Frazier fought, they called it uh, the fight of the, the decade. This is more than a fight of a decade. Uh, this, this match is not just for America, it's for, for around the world. And 
Ric Flair and Harley Race, I mean, it's, to get this match for Greensboro is just uh, unbelievable. We're going to call this match the, the Starcade 83, Greensboro, North Carolina. The match is going to be scheduled for Thursday, November the 24th, Thanksgiving night, 1983. Thank the Board of Directors and President Bob Geigel, all the members of the National Wrestling Alliance, and allowing Jim Crockett Promotions to have Starcade 83. Thank you. Let me take just a moment, if I may, to congratulate the president, Jim Crockett Promotions, Mr. Jim Crockett. And Jim, as you know, of course, uh, uh, via satellite, we do have both the uh, NWA World Heavyweight Champion Harley Race standing by. Uh, we're going to get his reactions, and then we're going to be going uh, to the number one challenger, uh, Ric Flair. So let's switch now to Kansas City and to the seven times World Heavyweight Champion Harley Race. David Manning with KTVT Channel 11. Harley Race has just arrived here at the Will Rogers Memorial Coliseum. Harley Race, NWA World Heavyweight Champion. I'm wondering if you've heard the news. Via satellite, just very few minutes ago, you were probably on the way here to the Coliseum. Jim Crockett, via satellite, has announced he has outbidded every promoter, not only in the United States, but the world, and the match between you and Ric Flair is scheduled for Thanksgiving Day in Greensboro, North Carolina. Your reaction to that, Mr. Race? My reaction to that is what I figured it would be when I knew all this was coming down. They're all in Tampa, Florida, bidding on this. Well, I had people in there bidding, too, evidently Crockett. Up more cash than any other man in the history of the world is willing to come up with. But let me tell you something, Crockett. It's not making me the least bit happy going to Greensboro in Flair's backyard to wrestling. But if that's what every promoter on the face of the earth have arrived at, then that's the way it will be. But let me tell you something, Crockett, and also you, Ric Flair. Crockett, you just arranged a match to eliminate Ric Flair from wrestling. You have put up the money to eliminate a kid from wrestling. And Flair, let me tell you this. I promised you that I would not wrestle you in, in North Carolina or anywhere else in the Southeast. You've pulled your strings, you've manipulated your people, and you've done it very well. Bob Orton Jr. and Dick Slater did a job very well. But what they did is not one thing compared to what I am going to do to you done what had to be done, I guess, as far as you're concerned. You've got it exactly the way you want it. Not one thing, and the most important thing of it all. I am still world's heavyweight champion. I have been there seven times around, and I'm not going to let you or any other human being disturb that. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, world champion Harley Race to face Ric Flair Thanksgiving Day in Greensboro, North Carolina. Certainly some most interesting comments from seven times world heavyweight champion Harley Race. Let's go now to Charlotte, North Carolina, and to the home of the challenger, Ric Flair, for his comments.
We're at the home of Ric Flair, where we've just seen the news that Jim Crockett Promotions has received the bid for the World's Championship match between Harley Race and Ric Flair. Rick, it has to be a tremendous moment in your life. Oh, Tony, to call it a tremendous moment is putting it very, very lightly. I never dreamed that Jim Crockett Promotions would be able to bring this match back into the Southeast, much less Greensboro, North Carolina, which might as well be my home. You know, Jim Crockett is calling this event Starcade 83, and I think that's fantastic. But over the years, a lot of the fans have said that I have a flair for buying nice clothes and a flair for buying fancy mm -hmm. cars and a flair for wearing nice jewelry. And, you know, it dawns on me that something this fantastic and this magnificent in my life, I think that I'm going to call my quest for the World Heavyweight Championship a flair for the gold. So a flair for the gold, Mr. Crockett. I find that a very interesting comment from uh, Ric Flair. Uh... Well, not from Ric Flair. That is, that is Ric Flair. I, I would like to make a few more comments, if I could, about this well, match, Gordon. Uh, two years from now, it'll be the 50th anniversary of the, the uh, forming of Jim Crockett Promotions. Uh, father started promoting wrestling uh, 48 years ago in the back room of a restaurant in Charlotte, North Carolina. His dream was to bring oh. the best wrestlers in the world to the Carolinas and give the people the matchups they wanted to see. Uh, my father died 10 years ago. He never saw Ric Flair. Uh, he saw Ric Flair was one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. He will have the opportunity on Thanksgiving night to prove it. Only three men have ever regained the title second time. great deal of pride that that my brothers, my sister, and I were able to put together this proposal, NWA accepted, mm -hmm. and that we can have a match that's bigger than the century, but as we call mm -hmm. it, Starcade 83. And I would like to, to thank you to the fans who have supported wrestling in the Carolinas mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. promotions. It is for you that, that we have done this. Thank you. There you have it, the comments uh, from Jim Crockett himself, the gentleman who has successfully bid and has received uh, the site selection for the return match between seven times world heavyweight champion Harley Race and the number one challenger and former champion Ric Flair to take place in Greensboro uh, November 24th. And I might just point out that uh, promoters uh, and gentlemen from all over the, of the world have been bidding on this. Uh, Eddie Graham in attendance here today. Uh, people representing Japan, uh, Mexico, London, and all parts of the United States. Certainly a most auspicious occasion. Uh, it's too bad that we here in Tampa couldn't have garnered it along with the Super Bowl 84, uh, but certainly the uniqueness of the proposal offered by Mr. Crockett, as you heard President Bob Geigel say, made him the unanimous selection. Our congratulations uh, to all of you in the Greensboro area. You've got a great event upcoming on November 24th. This is Gordon Soley on special assignment in Tampa. It doesn't seem like it was all that long ago, ladies and gentlemen, but it was 37 years ago this year. John, your thoughts about the memorable announcement that happened, and we would see the battle soon after, as we'll now talk about Starcade 83. Agreed. I mean, for Jim Crockett to beat Vince McMahon and his son, to beat Stu Hart and Stampede, to beat Anoki 
in uh, Baba in Japan to beat the Mexican uh, uh, talent at the time down in Mexico, to beat the team over in the UK and Europe of Billy Robinson and company, however, to beat Von Erich, however, Fritz Von Erich, that is in world class, to beat Don Owen and Roy Shire in the Pacific Northwest of Oregon, Washington State, and California. I mean, to beat Angelo Poffo, however, in also the areas of Tennessee and Kentucky and Indiana. It was the thing. And folks, however, eventually, however, the build-up for it, however, would continue, however, in the weeks to come. And now we turn to Starcade 83, the Flare for a Gold, which that night was very interesting. Oddly enough, the WWE did a show earlier that day, believe it or not, however, in Philadelphia, believe it or not, at the Spectrum, that saw a very interesting uh, couple of matches. But that night, however, in Greensboro, despite a massive snowstorm and everything like that, however, the show did go on in Greensboro. Uh, John, I'll be back in a minute. We will start this moment here in just a minute. Okay. Okay, I'm back. And I can tell you we are also going to be hearing from in just a few moments, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Lewis Fleming, the soul man from, of course, Indianapolis, who will be joining us as well. So there you go. But anyway, folks, let us get into the moment, ladies and gentlemen, and talk about it now. 15,447 packed into Greensboro that night to see what was a memorable show. And, of course, earlier that year, they had also seen a really good show, however, in a steel cage match as well, which we'll talk about at a later future date. But with that said, ladies and gentlemen, let us now talk about what was a very interesting night, a flare for the gold, if you will, November 24 of 83. That same night, World Class had also done a show in Dallas, if you will, with the Von Erichs and Freebirds. But that was nothing compared to what was going on in the Tar Heel State. And all of North Carolina was a buzz going into that show, if you will, especially after what went down, however, leading into it. So, with that said, we began Thanksgiving night with a very interesting show, let's just say. And the voice of the Greensboro Coliseum was very interesting. Tom Miller, of course, for years was the voice of Greensboro, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. I believe he was also a TV uh, newscaster or a radio DJ. But one of the uh, things, we'll have to ask Mr. WCW about that since he is near Greensboro, and he knows Tom Miller that name very well, but uh, we know for many years, John, when it came to uh, announcing Howard, there were many great, uh, let's just say, ring announcers. So, great Howard Finkel, who we lost earlier this year, was up there in New York. Tom Miller was the southern guy, however, for quite a while, especially in the Carolinas. 
Uh, Mark Lawrence was the voice in Texas, if you will, Howard, with World Class and the Von Erics. And I believe uh, there were a couple other big names in Oregon and Washington State, as well as California, with Roy Shire and Don Owen. And I can't remember the announcer, uh, the guys who handled the mic announcing duty there for the shows there. But uh, when it came to like guys like Finkel and um, Tom Miller, however, if you will, however, those were the big names to really, uh, let's just say, keep an eye on, as they really had quite an ability to announce, if you will. Anyway, with that said, let us talk now about Starcade 83. And our first match of the night, ladies and gentlemen, was a very unique moment, ladies and gentlemen, pitting the Assassins. Assassin number one, ladies and gentlemen, which turned out to be Joey, uh, Joey Hamilton, the son of, uh, believe it or not, however, uh, Nick Patrick, who later became a WCW uh, referee, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. And Assassin number two, uh, known as Raymond Fernandez, or Hercules Fernandez, was managed by Paul Jones. Paul Jones, of course, a very unique manager, of course, also from uh, a very unique wrestler in his own right, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, he passed away a couple of years ago at the age of 75. Of course, he also teamed up with Ricky Steamboat and was a very unique wrestler who wrestled in the Mid-Atlantic Territory over the years and was also becoming a manager. And at one time, however, he was a, a body shop owner, believe it or not, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then, of course, moved to Georgia later on down the road. Sad to say he died the same week, however, I believe, a short time after Bruno San Martino, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, in April of 2018. But anyway, Paul Jones, of course, led his assassins into battle, ladies and gentlemen, against the freight train Rufus R. Jones, ladies and gentlemen, the son of uh, the Reverend Slick, of course, uh, as you know, Slick, former WWE manager, of course, Rufus Hart Jones, sadly, passed away at the age of 60 in November of 1993. However, believe it or not, a week and a half before the 10-year anniversary of the very first Starcade, however, of a heart attack while hunting deer. Uh, as you know, as we told you, he was the son, of course, of, believe it or not, Kenneth Johnson, better known to you all as the Reverend Slick, and uh, was born in South Carolina, but passed away in Missouri and had become a pretty good wrestler throughout his career in the Midwest, if you will, especially in Kansas and Missouri before heading down to Mid-Atlantic, if you will, later on. Anyway, with that said, of course, he also had a unique partner in the form of Bugsy McGraw. Bugsy McGraw, a very unique wrestler, if you will. Bugsy, I believe, is still around. In fact, yes, he is. He will be 75 years old this year, believe it or not. However, also known as the Mighty Brutus, the Big Skull, however, if you will, the Big O, beautiful Brutus, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, the Big O. He stood six foot one, two seventy-five, ladies and gentlemen, Believe it or not, and that's the way he was. Anyway, this turned out to be your opening matchup of Starcade 83. The Assassins coming with a very questionable win, if you will, however, on this night, however. And as a result, however, let's just say, however, uh, Assassin number one ended up rolling up McGraw from behind, if you will, however, by picking up the win against uh, Jones and McGraw here in the opening contest. John, your thoughts about this opening contest? It was good. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. Up next, ladies and gentlemen, of course, Kevin Sullivan and Mark Lewin. Yes, the Boston brawler, Kevin Sullivan, of course, who would later go on to become a manager and also a booker, if you will, teaming up with Mark Lewin with Playboy Gary Hart taking on Johnny Weaver, who, of course, was an announcer, of course, at one time and who had his uh, unique, uh, let's just say, moments as a wrestler, however, and also his partner, former WWE wrestler, however, and WCW competitor, Scott McGee, ladies and gentlemen. Another tag team match, however, this turned out to be a very interesting match. Sullivan and Lewin, of course, picked up the win as Lewin, however, later on would take retribution on McGee and basically bust him open to where he was basically buckets, if you will. And as a result, however, mind you, afterwards, Angelo Mosca, of course, who would later go on to, uh, let's just say, help McGee, however, was attacked by both... Uh, 
Hart and his uh, cronies of, believe it or not, Lewin and Sullivan, and as a result, uh, had his arm lacerated. Nevertheless, Sullivan and McLuhan with Hart however, had the last laugh on this night, however, by defeating McGee and Weaver. Your thoughts about this one? It was good as well. Yes, I would agree. And as we said, uh, Angelo Mosca, a very unique uh, guy, of course, who, of course, as you know, had his son wrestle, I believe, Angelo Jr., if you will. Mm-hmm. Angelo, of course, at one time also was known as King Kong Mosca, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. As we said, he is still with us to this day. Angelo, of course, is 83 years old. He used to play for the CFL and attended the University of Notre Dame, uh, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, John, I'll be right back. Hold on. All right. Okay, sorry about that, folks. We also want to remind you that coming up this Friday, ladies and gentlemen, Revolution will be on 138055-POUND. John will be off with the birthdays and HGTS and I will have your news headlines for you. Also, this Monday on Raw Radio, ladies and gentlemen, after celebrating the five-year anniversary yesterday of Raw Radio, ladies and gentlemen, we will have our favorite SummerSlam moments to talk about and a little bit of football, college, and pro talk, if you will, this week. Join myself, Shaq from New York, uh, of course, also our good friends, the Soul Man, Justin Lewis Fleming, the Heartbreak Kid, Fonzie, the JML Experience, the Big IQ, Jeff Tears, the Rush, Ronda Rush Wright, the Empress, Henry Rickenbach, uh, Michelle Lindotz, the Black Widow, Mr. WCW, and the rest of the game will be there at 3 p.m. this Monday and every Monday, 138744-POUND, as well as the King of Clubs, Mitt Patel. And, of course, we will be definitely hearing from them, of course, tonight as well, but also on Raw Radio coming up this Monday. Also, tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, uh, Outside the Ropes with the latest politics, movies, and sports news will be supplied at 6314387. 8 o'clock, John will join myself, Fonzie, Mid, and the rest of the game for wrestling debate, as we will have the AEW NXT Wednesday Night War, and it will continue on at 9 o'clock with Revolution, however, with the same format that everything goes for Tuesday and Friday as well. But also tomorrow night, 10.30 p.m., folks, check out John Gross Sports and Wrestling Incorporated with the AEW NXT Breakdown War, ladies and gentlemen. John, every week, however, has his panels, including Anthony Chobot, Antonio Gutierrez, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of the gang as well. That should be a very interesting show, as always. And, John, as I said, that Wednesday Night War show is definitely one of the hottest shows out there besides the Monday Night Show post-show that you do every week. So continue to do good things with that, and that has been a very big success thus far. Up next, however, we will go to our third match of the evening. But we were talking about Angel Mosca very quickly. We want to tell you about he was drafted, of course, by the Philadelphia Eagles in 1959, with the next-to-last pick, 350 at the time, ladies and gentlemen. He also made it to the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in 1987. He was a two-time All-Star, however, and an East All-Star, a record five times, if you will, playing for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the Montreal Alouettes, and the Ottawa Rough Riders. However, they retired his jersey almost five years ago, however, as it was the only second jersey the club has ever retired, referring to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, if you will. But, of course, a very unique, uh, let's just say, uh, 
person, let's just say, as you know. With that said, he also wrote a book, however, Tell to My Face, However, Mind You, with Steve Milton in 2011. That was a very interesting book, and I believe it talked about his wrestling career back in the day, ladies and gentlemen. And it's definitely also talking about his pro CFL career as well. Up next, speaking of interest, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about our third match of this show, however. Two guys who know each other all too well and who have fought many times over, ladies and gentlemen, however, let's just say Abdul the Butcher and Carlos Colon. John, this turned out to be very interesting because Abby the Butcher and Carlos were supposed to fight in Puerto Rico, but at the time, the promoter at the time, which I believe was Carlos Howard, did not want this to happen and let the fans get involved in it. So they decided to move to the States, and uh, let's just say Abby and Carlos had a very unique match on this night, Howard, against one another. And in the end, thanks to some, uh, let's just say, chicanery mm. from Hugo Sanovich, if you will, Abby the Butcher ends up getting a questionable win over Carlos Colon. Your thoughts about this one? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yes, I would agree there. And, of course, as we said, these two guys have had some great battles over the years in World Wrestling Council, WWC, of course, ladies and gentlemen, in Trinidad, Tobago, uh, San Juan, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, in Roberto Clemente Stadium, as well as all over Puerto Rico, Mm -hmm. whether it be small towns like Ponce, Puerto Rico, or big-name cities like San Juan, if you will. Up next, ladies and gentlemen, of course, Harley Race, of course, had his two goons, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. Cowboy Ace Bob Orton Jr., of course, the father of Randy Orton, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. And Dirty Dick Slater, of course, take on Mark Youngblood, who uh, his brother, uh, Jay Youngblood, of course, will be competing later on in this night, ladies and gentlemen. And another unique football superstar, ladies and gentlemen, Chief Wahoo McDaniel here in another tag team match, if you will, however. And as a result, let's just say Race's guys ended up picking up uh, a big win here over Youngblood and McDaniel. And McDaniel, just like uh, Scott McGee, got a little laceration against him, but nevertheless still uh, got the job done, however. And uh, let's just say picked up the win, however, referring to uh, Orton and Slater, despite the fact that McDaniel and Youngblood were supposed to win. That did not happen here. Your thoughts about this one? That was good. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Very good point, indeed. Uh, up next, ladies and gentlemen, this is where the tide started to turn because originally uh, starting out the show, Howard, four heels in a row won, but then that would really change, uh, let's just say, momentum, if you will. That changed everything around and then some, ladies and gentlemen, about that. And with that said, it was our next match, ladies and gentlemen, that really that's when things got interesting. Uh, the great Kabuki, however, with Gary Hart back out there yet again, ladies and gentlemen, of course, ladies and gentlemen, taking on Charlie Brown, the man from out of town, better known to you all as Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. The rules were simple, however, it was title versus mask for the NWA TV title, if you will, however, the rules were simple, however, that Brown, however, would have to unmask if he did not win, however, but Kabuki's NWA TV title would be on the line. Kabuki, of course, uh, let's just say, uh, held the title, let's just say, for a brief time, however, if you will, from May until that year, however, ladies and gentlemen, a record of 185 days. In fact, overall, ladies and gentlemen, his reign of 185 is ranked number 16, however, among all-time reigns, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, as far as the old WCW NWA uh, reigns go, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. As a result, however, let's just say Charlie Brown, the man from out of town, however, Jimmy Valiant, whatever you want to call him, ladies and gentlemen, uh, would end up uh, winning the title here on this night. Unfortunately, Valiant, however, would only hold the title for a couple months before the title, however, would uh, be vacated, however, and Charlie Brown, of course, Jimmy Brown would drop that persona. But nevertheless, however, on this night, Kabuki's reign, however, came up, uh, let's just say, ended, however, suddenly at the hands of Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant. Your thoughts about... uh, the great Kabuki, and Charlie Brown, the man from out of town. 
Good match. Indeed, indeed. Up next, Howard, was one of the better matches of the night, and this was the feud we talked about also, one of the bigger feuds of the night, Howard, that occurred, ladies and gentlemen. Roddy Piper versus Greg the Hammer Valentine, a dog collar match. Originally, Jim uh, Crockett, Howard, after the announcement of Flair and uh, Race had occurred a few weeks before this, actually announced, Howard, believe it or not, that this match was too dangerous, Howard. This was not going to be allowed, Howard. And basically, Howard, people were afraid on whether or not this would actually occur, Howard. In fact, uh, a lot of people said that, that this match should never have happened, Howard. And, of course, we saw the end result. Piper lost a good bit of his hearing prior to this and would lose more of the hearing. Uh, shortly thereafter, he would be on his way to WWE, however. But on this night, Howard, he would take on a guy that he would kind of uh, have a dislike for, but also later on develop a unique, uh, let's just say, close friendship with Howard in the WWE, if you will, in the form of the hammer, Greg Valentine, if you will, Howard. This was for the U.S. title, of course. Greg Valentine, as you know, uh, let's just say was the U.S. champion around mm. this time. Howard, unfortunately, Piper did not win the title here, but he did get the final last laugh on the hammer, if you will, Howard. And uh, this was as bloody and physical as can be, Howard. John, your thoughts about the infamous dog collar match between Piper and Valentine? Yeah, it was brutal, all right. Very brutal. Yes. And Magnum T.A., if I remember correctly, said on that DVD, however, that he and some of the guys from Mid-South actually came up for that uh, mm-hmm. show because I think they had done an earlier show that day themselves. However, decided to skip out of uh, competing that night down in Louisiana, I believe, however. I think for a show there, either in New Orleans or Alexandria or Baton Rouge, but uh, some of the guys from uh, Bill Watts' territory, if you will, uh, were uh, very interested in watching this encounter. And uh, like I said, this turned out to be a very physical match. This was one of uh, the very unique dog collar matches in history. And of course, we'll talk more about those uh, type of uh, intense matches down the road. But speaking of intense matches, ladies and gentlemen, Angelo Mosca was back, Howard, despite his arm was last way for our next match, Howard. A tag team spectacular, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, in the form of Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. Ricky Steamboat will be on his way to the WWE shortly thereafter this, Howard, despite being uh, teammates and feuding with, of course, Ric Flair, of course, later on, ladies and gentlemen, taking on two guys that, uh, oh, sweet God, I'm sorry, I just went blind for a minute there. My eyes just... Saw something that was so beautiful, let's just say. Sorry about that, people. I'm not going to even say what it is, but let's say it was very, very yummy, let's just say, if you will. Anyway, they took on Jack and Jerry Briscoe. If you will, Jack Briscoe, the former uh, NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Well, Jerry Briscoe, of course, the Vince McMahon stooge with his good friend Pat Patterson. Uh, later on down the road, however, would compete, however, for the NWA World's Tag Team Championship. And you talk about some big reigns, however, around that time, however. The Briscoe Brothers definitely uh, were a very unique team. Of course, them and uh, Steamboat had traded victories back and forth throughout much of the year. Steamboat had won the uh, title for the fourth time, if you will, however, in March of 83, however, at a show in Greensboro. The Briscoes won the title from uh, Jay and uh, Steamboat in June of that year. Steamboat and them had won the title again, however, a month prior to Starcade. Then a couple weeks later, the Briscoes won it again, however, and then Steamboat and Youngblood would win it back again, however. So it seemed like however, it was like trade-off back and forth between June and November of 80, 83 and November of 83. But in the end, however, Steamboat and Youngblood ended up picking up the win, ladies and gentlemen, by defeating, however, the team of Jack and Jerry Briscoe. Uh, your thoughts about this matchup between these uh, four individuals, John? Very interesting. 
Yes, indeed. Very interesting indeed. Of course, uh, you talk about uh, the Briscoe Brothers, of course, coming from Oklahoma State University, of course. They were all Americans there. Steamboat, as we know, of course, had competed in Florida, of course. Uh, he would have some great matches in the 80s. Of course, this was one of them. Of course, uh, his best match was uh, eventually down the road still to come with uh, Ric Flair, of course, in the late 80s. And, of course, in the did the, the latter part before the late 80s, let's just say. He would also feud with a very unique guy by the name of, ooh, yeah, dig it, the Macho Man Randy Savage. He would also compete in the very first uh, WrestleMania. I mean, you talk about three guys, Howard, who competed both, not only at the first Target, but at the first WrestleMania, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, Greg the Hammer Valentine against the Junkyard Dog. Roddy Piper, of course, a member of uh, teaming up with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, against Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. And, of course, Ricky Steamboat taking on the maniac Matt Bourne, if you will, whose father, tough Tony Bourne, of course, teamed up with his son, ladies and gentlemen, in Portland, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, uh, in uh, the Don Owen territory, Pacific Northwest Wrestling. But uh, some pretty interesting names that competed on the first WrestleMania. And also, Cowboy, I forgot, Cowboy Ace Bob Bourne Jr. is a part of the first WrestleMania, as he was the bodyguard for Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Andor. So four guys actually made their uh, initial uh, Star K debut, and then later on, two years after this, would compete and uh, find themselves involved in the very first WrestleMania, if you will, in Madison Square Garden in front of 20,000 people. So kind of uh, very interesting, to say the least. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we get to the main event before we wrap things up. And again, before we wrap things up, I do want to thank, of course, uh, John uh, for coming in, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, for coming in town. We were hoping to hear from the soul man, Justin Lewis Fleming, but uh, we will be hearing from him hopefully here at the 9 o'clock hour. Of course, we will have a lot more to talk about, including last night's Monday Night Raw, which was a very interesting show. So we now go to the main event, of course. Harley Race, Ric Flair, Gene Kaniski was the special guest referee on this night, however, here, and this was actually an amazing match. You talk about a brutal steel cage match, and of course, uh, Flair, of course, would, uh, let's just say, hold the title here at this time. This would be his second reign as far as championship goes. And we will tell you how long he held the belt for around this time. In fact, uh, let's pull it up right now while we're looking at it. At the time uh, that Flair had won the title away from Race, had held the title, however, for 167 days. Flair would hold the title, of course, for 117 days, however, but then would drop it back to a... Harley Race, unfortunately, in a questionable call, Howard, in New Zealand. But then Flair went back another time, Howard, even though it was not acknowledged, Howard, until many years later, however, by many people, if you will, by uh, people, Howard, for the third time, however, mind you, even though this did not count, however, as a result, Ric Flair had won the title originally, Howard, in February, of course, however, mind you, after, let's just say, a very questionable call. And this is how it all became uh, interesting. In January of 83, however, this title change was not recognized by the NWA, however, defeated, Car- uh, like I said, however, taken, I believe, on Carlos Colon of Miami. Unfortunately, he would hold the title for a month. In February, however, the championship was to return to Flair three days later after this was a continuation of Flair's previous reign, if you will. But in June, however, as we said, however, in St. Louis, Race won the move, however, mind you, however, in a questionable call in St. Louis. Then Flair would win it, however, for the second time. This is the reign they did count, however, unlike the other uh, small reigns that happened in the early part of 83, however, from uh, Harley Race, however, and he would hold it a record 117 days. Harley Race, of course, would get the title back in March of 84, if you will, however, in New Zealand, however, even though this title was recognized, however, by WCW and by the NWA. Unfortunately, they did not uh, put in their record books until 2016, if you will. 
Flair would win it back three days later, however, in Singapore, if you will. And then, of course, he would hold the title, however, until May when he would uh, take on Kerry Von Erich, however, and Kerry Von Erich would defeat him at the uh, David Von Erich Memorial Show in May of 1984. Unfortunately, eight days later, Flair would uh, win it back for the third time, however, ladies and gentlemen, however. And this time, however, he would hold the title for the better part of almost close to two years, if you will, of 793 days, however, despite the fact many people he thought he had lost the decision, but it was not acknowledged as a loss. However, it was just a questionable, let's so-called, Dusty Rhodes finish, if you will, at Starrcade 85, but Flair would hold mm-hmm. the title, of course, until uh, July of 86, when he would then drop the title back, however, to Dusty Rhodes. But uh, Flair, ladies and gentlemen, looking at the all-time rating, ladies and gentlemen, he has held it 10 different times, however, as of today, going into this, however, he held it combined 10 different times for a total combined record, 3,116 days. That's amazing. Harley Race is right behind him with eight different reigns, ladies and gentlemen. Combined total, 1,800 days. But, John, you're going to be amazed at who number one is, and you'll never guess who it is. Luthez, three different reigns, combined total, 3,749. That's pretty amazing. Wow. That's pretty big. I mean, you think about it back in the day, I mean... Luthez's biggest reign, of course, happened from November of 1949 till March of 1955 for six years. For about, yeah, about almost five, almost four, yeah, about five and a half, almost six years, ladies and gentlemen, in the late 40s into the early mid-50s. He was the biggest reign ever. His second reign was, of course, in July of 55. He would lose it in March of 56. And then his final reign would be occurred in November of 56 till June of 57. But his first big reign, November of 49 till March of 55, almost five years, folks is how long he yelled that title for. I'll be right back. Okay, sorry about that, folks. We're back again. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we want to, of course, uh, report, ladies and gentlemen, we do have a report now, ladies and gentlemen, that according to reports, ladies and gentlemen, 
The NFL has now announced, however, I believe they have canceled all preseason games. Apparently, it has now been made official, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not sure. Uh, ESPN has not reported the story just yet, but NFL, uh, according to reports now, yes, the NFL Players Association has told players there will be no preseason games and training camps will be reduced, however, set to be dropped by 10. So they go from 90 to 80. Uh, this is pretty surprising, John. Let's get your thoughts on this story. All because of that damn racist Trump. Well, not only that, I mean, it's just with the, what's happening in the world right now. I mean, the pandemic is becoming a big issue, obviously. But uh, we saw what Trump did earlier today with some of his comments. And like I said, go figure. But uh, let's go now to the big main event, of course. Uh, that turned out to be race versus flair, however. Uh, your thoughts about this with Ric Flair becoming champion for a second time? Awesome match. Indeed. Indeed. No question about it. I would agree with you there. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. So there you have it, folks. Uh, those are our thoughts, however, All what right. happened in 1983. And uh, we're going to wrap things up here a little bit of right now, here in just a few minutes while we're doing that. Ladies and gentlemen, again, I do want to thank uh, John for coming on tonight, however, ladies and gentlemen. See you later, uh, bud. All right, we'll talk to you at 9 o'clock, John. Yep, there, uh, John's now. There. All right, John, now leaving us here, we do want to thank him for coming on, ladies and gentlemen. However, uh, ladies and gentlemen, of course, uh, very, uh, very good uh, thoughts by John tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And we do want to thank all of you for listening. Of course, we were expecting the soul man, Justin Lewis Fleming, joining us, however, but I guess something got caught at the last minute. But John will be, of course, joining us along with Justin, however, at 9 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen, however. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, however, with that said, uh, let me see here. I'm just trying to do something here, so bear with me here, folks. Uh, like I said, however, uh, let's see here. Uh, like I said, however, I'm trying. We're just trying to get, like I said, uh, our closing team here. All right, huh? Okay. Okay, here we go. All right. Well, folks, I do want to thank everyone for joining us here tonight. As we said, we hope you enjoyed our show, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to close up shop here for the evening ladies and gentlemen. we will talk to you of course at nine o'clock with revolution so until next week ladies and gentlemen where we have another great moment this is the iceman along with the human simplex machine saying good night from the time machine show enjoy the rest of your night stay safe and be careful ladies and gentlemen with this heat humidity and everything in general we will see you at nine o'clock with another edition of revolution here on the talk show network and again we will join you next tuesday at 7 p.m ladies and gentlemen with another great moment here in the Wrestling Time Machine show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we take you out with a very unique tune, ladies and gentlemen, from the group The Tubes, entitled Gonna Get It Next Time. And boy, we're gonna get it next time, because we'll see you again next time, a week from tonight. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you soon. Here's Modern Problems' theme song from 1981. 
in the tubes as we say goodnight to you here on the Time Machine Show. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Good night, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.